Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Cotton Gore Magazine's Cotton Companion Podcast. It's picking time in the Mid-South, Southeast, and Central Texas as growers begin defoliating and getting those pickers ready to roll. Uh, there's been a bit too much rain in parts of the cotton belt over the past week, but there's some good, dry, warm weather in the forecast to help finish this crop off. I'm Jim Stedman, Senior Editor of Cotton Grower, and as always, I'm joined by Cotton Grower Editor Frank Giles. Frank, what are you hearing from your friends up in Georgia? Well, I know they got some big rains up there uh, late last week uh, in central Georgia. Uh, my brother lives in Blakely County, and he was saying there were areas there that had, you know, five, six, seven inches in a, you know, really short period of time. Uh, further south, southwest Georgia, I don't think they had quite as much of rain as that, but they did, you know, they did have a significant rainfall. But good news is it looks like the long range forecast is drying out. And so hopefully they can get a lot done here in the next, next several days once they get dried out and rolling again. Well, let's, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Well, for this edition of Cotton Companion, folks at First Fire Safety are joining us again as a sponsor, and they have a message they'd like to share with you right now. First Fire Safety is a fire protection company based out of Austin, Texas. We have developed a foam fire suppression system specifically designed to protect the John Deere Round Bale Cotton Harvester. We install this system and train operators all over the world. Be fire ready with a first fire safety fire suppression system. Call today for more information and pricing. 512-777-1555. Well, thanks again to First Fire Safety for that timely message. Well, since we last joined you, Cotton prices finally did what many had predicted or hoped would happen. We now have dollar cotton, more like dollar plus cotton. And although we focused on economics in our last episode and really don't like to repeat ourselves, we felt like this was important enough to bring back the first person to utter the words dollar cotton earlier this year. And that's our good friend, Dr. O.A. Cleveland, Professor Emeritus of Agricultural Economics at Mississippi State University. So we're going to see how he feels about his bold statements now. So please stay tuned for that discussion. But as always, there's a little bit of news in the cotton industry. Frank, what's up? Well, we've got the October 5 crop progress report from USDA. It is showing that 13% of the U.S. cotton crop has been harvested, with the biggest numbers coming in from Texas, Arizona, Mississippi, and Louisiana. 14 of the 15 cotton producing states are now reporting harvest activity. Bowls are still opening across all of the cotton belt with open bowls reported in 70% of the crop, up 10 percentage points in the last week. And overall crop condition remains relatively unchanged. The report shows 62% of the crop is good to excellent, 32% fair, and only 6% poor and very poor. Uh, the Beltwide Cotton Conferences are back in per person for 2022, and registration for the meeting is now open online. The meeting will be held January 4th and 6th at the Marriott River Center Hotel in San Antonio, Texas. Coordinated by the National Cotton Council, the Beltwide provides timely updates on the latest research, technology, and issues impacting U.S. cotton production and processing. Registration is available online by 
visitingcotton.org slash beltwide and clicking the registration tab. The site also includes links to more information about the meeting, including registration costs, housing reservations, and an updated program. Seven students from across the Cotton Belt have been selected as scholarship recipients in the third annual AMVAC Cotton Industry Advancement Scholarship Program. This year's recipients come from four states, Georgia, California, Mississippi, and Texas, and represent agricultural studies for four prestigious universities. Each, each recipient was awarded $2,000 in scholarship funds. Winners were selected by a panel of judges and awarded based on the merits of their application. All applicants had to be nominated by a practicing cotton consultant and worked for a cotton consultant between 2019 and 2021. Applicants also were required to be a senior in high school or currently enrolled full-time in an undergraduate or graduate level ag program at an accredited college or university. You can find a complete list of the recipients plus their schools and majors online at cottongore.com. Applications for the next Cotton Industry Advancement Scholarship will be open in January 2022. If you're interested in more details, visit amvac.com slash scholarship. Well, now let's spend some time talking about dollar cotton. And although it's great news for the industry, especially considering the past year and a half, it does come with some complications. So joining us again in the Cotton Companion Virtual Studio on short notice to explain his months old prediction and the current market reality, it's Dr. O.A. Cleveland, Professor Emeritus of Agricultural Economics with Mississippi State University. O.A., thanks for taking time to join us again today in, in what appears to be an almost historical time for cotton prices. Well, it does, and thank you so much for asking me. It's uh, you honor me by the by the request. But uh, cotton uh, got off to a good year from, from the perspective of uh, demand, and as well as that, acreage was not at, uh, planted acreage was not as high as what we had anticipated. Uh, we thought at the time we had plenty of stocks, both globally and here in the United States, and are very early in the cotton year. We truly did not anticipate dollar cotton. Uh, we were thinking in terms of possibly getting into the low 80s, but uh, the events, as they always do, change uh, daily, weekly. And, uh, you know, we talked about it, not fuss about the monthly supply demand report and USDA, but that's why those things are monthly because they change so much. Mm -hmm. And as much as I fuss about USDA, they are the best ones going and I do appreciate their work. But uh, demand turned, uh, turned the corner uh, very early in Cotton's year in, back in uh, 2020. And uh, we began to see demand get stronger and stronger and stronger. And that was the base. And that led us and took us uh, through the 80s and shot us into the 90s. And lo and behold, here we are now. We began to see some production difficulties around the globe. Those that we were seeing in the United States apparently are, aren't going to come to fruition, but still possibly could. Not a lot of bagging and ties out there yet. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see. But it's a demand-based market that's now kind of gotten into the clouds and demand becomes a little spotty, but also we have other things working on behalf of this market. Yeah, well, I went, I went back when, when, when the price topped a dollar 
I went back and looked uh, at, at all of our conversations and our related articles uh, that from this year. And you, you first mentioned the possibility of dollar cotton back in February. Uh, I know a demand has been driving and all this. How confident were you at that point that you, you, your prediction might be on target? Well, uh, confident. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was. I, I felt very strongly that demand was going to do some things that we had, were not expecting. Mm -hmm. I'm confident in a, in a dollar. I don't know, uh, but uh, I felt like I saw the '90s and into the pushing a dollar. But as those things change, you know, the question might be today: How confident am I that we're going to a dollar and a quarter? Uh, that's uh, it's a very strong market from that perspective. Demand has dried up, quite honestly. But uh, as we learn in years like this, demand is twofold, or demand is a, is a double-edged sword on the positive side. We have seen textile mills buy cotton, spin it into yarn, sell it to an apparel mill or weaving mill, and go ahead and the shirt is manufactured and it's on my back right now, or it's in the jeans you're wearing today, yet the textile mill has still not priced that cotton on the futures market. So while it was sold one time and was an indicator of demand, the mill on call sales are now showing up in the futures market. And that's another demand. That particular bale, that particular pound is in, a, in an indirect sense in the economics of the world is being demanded twice because it's not been paid for and uh, the chickens are coming home to roost. The mill has got to pay for that and the way they pay for it is buying futures contracts. We have some 14 plus million bales of cotton that must be bought on the futures market. That, that is, textile mills have already bought that cotton, the physical cotton, but they've not fixed the price on it. So it's just shot cotton prices higher and higher from that perspective. Plus the initial demand was there uh, as strong as we've ever seen before. And then we come into a fact that uh, maybe India maybe Brazil, maybe China, maybe the U.S., big names as far as production goes, those countries are showing potentially some difficulties with respect to harvest. Good deal. Well, you, you mentioned the role that uh, supply and demand are playing, but we also realize speculators have jumped in, jumped in in a big way. We heard the market described last week as a Disney world for speculators. What's their role in all this and how long do you think they'll hang on and where will the prices go when they decide to go someplace else? Great. That's an excellent question. I, some people questioned me last week that I was talking negative about speculators. And let me just say, as a market participant, I love speculators. I want speculators. I can't get enough speculators. Those are the guys that we in the cotton business are out there to harvest. Uh, we like them, we need them. But speculators, the uh, CFTC, Commodity Futures Trading Commission, last year basically tripled or quadrupled the limits that a speculator can, can have, can control. So they've gone from about having, being able to have only about 2,000 long contracts 
to essentially nearly 12,000 contracts. So speculators, we made a lot more room for speculators. But what I was disappointed in, and the cotton exchange has made me, so to speak, along with farmer groups, the cotton exchange failed to increase the margin limits on these on these uh, speculative contracts, even though the price went up 20, 25, 23 cents. Uh, so the speculators were able to control a great deal of financial potential wealth with uh, the same margin that they had used when it, the market was 95%. So it brought the speculative money in and it also brought much more speculative money in and that consequently we are the spec longs hold the largest position they have ever held in cotton so specs have been good specs are great i want more specs but they have pushed this market higher and higher thank goodness thank goodness they pushed it there and they pushed it there on the basis of looking at the textile mill on call sales again cotton that mills have bought, but they've not paid for. And the only way they can pay for that is to buy futures contracts. To duplicate one comment I made, there are over 14,000 bales that must be fixed on the futures contract by buying futures. Conversely, there are only some 4 million bales uh, on the futures contract that must be uh, sold in, in order to offset those sales. So the potential is there. Uh, to for the market to go higher and higher. We're in the setback at the moment. Maybe it's permanent. I don't think so. I think we go back and challenge the highs. We've made it around $1.16. And then we go back and begin to d dig the dirt to try to make build, build that canal up to a dollar, a dollar and 20 cents, a dollar and a quarter. And who knows from there? You've gone on record as saying cotton is now, I feel like cotton's set up for at least three good years of demand. And good prices. What uh, what what makes you say that? What makes you think that? Another very good comment. What we're seeing now, a byproduct of the Chinese coronavirus, we're seeing uh, cotton scrubs come back in fashion. Basically, the medical scrubs had turned to 100% polyester, uh, and you could, uh, at best, work very hard to find a pair of 100% cotton scrubs or even a 50-50 polycotton blend. But now, the, with, the, with the coronavirus, the scrubs, and, and with some demand and uh, some innovative efforts, I would include well, Cotton Incorporated in that, we've brought the scrubs back to, the, for, to that industry. So that's a demand that we've not had. Also, this virus, I th think I think most people now are readily admitting it's around, it's going to stay around. It's, uh, uh, I don't want to get into the medical field at all, but apparently, it's there, and uh, just as a way of expressing it myself, I, I quite look forward to getting my 13th booster shot <laughs> 10 or 12 years from now. Uh, so, and, and you know, and, and that's a lot of swabs, that's a lot of cotton uh, that, that's going on to these sticks, the swab sticks. The uh, a lot of that is synthetic fiber, but more of it is coming in the coming from the cotton industry, so that's a new demand that we have, and it's not an insignificant demand because we think in terms of you and I, possibly when we went to the doctor, if it was once a month or once every six months, or in some cases, maybe once a year, uh, we'd see that swab. But now it's daily, it's constantly, the, they're 
in a sense, they can't truck enough swabs in to treat us on a weekly basis. So that's a huge demand, actually. Plus, we still have, we, we're, 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 unless we price ourselves out of the market, uh, we were uh, beginning to take, uh, to increase cotton share of the spinning system. We were taking some market back from polyester and that was been, has been a plus. I think we will maintain that. We've got to wade these waters uh, of high prices not to lose some demand that we're seeing to, to lose that demand back to polyester. But uh, certainly denim has remained an extremely strong market, stronger than we've ever seen. So I, I, that's why I feel so good about cotton demand. Sounds good. Now we're getting ready to bring, uh, I think what most people would say is a better than expected crop in here over the next uh, next month or so. Uh, has the market already gobbled these bales up or is it kind of waiting to see how many we have and kind of what the quality looks like? Well, we certainly are in a quality quandrum here in the United States and basically around the, uh, around the globe as well. India has been, uh, has had far too much water and their crop is spotty. The Chinese crop has been somewhat spotty this year. They, this is going to be their third consecutive year of, uh, of quality problems. But at the, we, we, the, the, the U.S. typically leans on the Mid-South for its high quality. Now, that's not to say that the Southwest does not have good quality. They have excellent quality. Same for, for the, for the Mid-South. Uh, we all know California and Arizona are there, but that's such a small crop now. Uh, we talk in terms of Texas, the Mid-South and Southeast, but the, 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 so much of the high-grade cotton has come out uh, of the Mid-South the last several years, and that crop looks to be spotted a bit. We'll just have to wait and see. So quality will always be the key, or is the key. And quality cotton will sell when other crops won't sell. But uh, yes, it does appear if we can just get a couple more weeks of great weather. Uh, I touched base this morning. There was a little frost out in West Texas. I don't know how widespread it was, but only a little best I've been able to tell. Uh, but as soon as we get that frost, it's gonna, it'll, it'll tend to start cutting that crop out. Uh, so we, we, we're still not out of the woods yet. There's not going to be much cotton available until December the 1st. Uh, uh, ginning cotton every day, but bulk-wise, there's not a lot of cotton until December the 1st, which is absolutely late. A problem that's uh, brought up, and I know y'all are aware of it, a lot of growers today are trying to price the tail end of their 2021 crop they're ready to price it and they've gone to the merchant and said let's fix it and the merchant says well we're going to fix it on march we can't sell it to you on a december basis so the basis has all of a sudden widened because it has to be on a march contract uh growers certainly don't like that they feel like they're being uh, overlooked uh, they, I don't want to use the word cheated, but since I have, I have. But, 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 but they're not being cheated. If a merchant buys the tail end or fixes the price 
of the rest of that crop, they can't do anything with it until something in January or February. Uh, they will not have the ability to ship that cotton to a textile mill between now and say first notice day on December. So merchants have to go out to the March contract and that's, that's widen the basis on the growers. I personally don't remember that ever happening before. It's a quandary created by A, the late crop and B, the shipping difficulties that we're seeing here in the it's not around the world, not here, just here in the US. Plus C, the idea that demand is strong once we can get a physical demand will be strong once we can back prices off just a little bit. And, and yeah, I'd, you know, I'd love to see prices go to $2, but uh, we won't sell any cotton if prices go to $2. It doesn't matter how much we have or don't have, uh, we'll lose our entire market share. So in this area, once we get above 95 cents and get above a dollar, unfortunately we begin losing our market share. We have from time to time uh, had comments and heard comments about, well, inflation and it's time for prices to move to a new plateau. Here on and here out, prices will be higher. Well, unfortunately, we have to remember that we're in the commodity business. We grow a crop that whoever around the world can grow it cheaper is going to get the market. Uh, so cotton is blessed right now that we have high prices. It's blessed we have a strong market. But when some something when the coronavirus cools a bit and people understand it better, when the demand patterns and supply patterns begin to calm down, we'll go back to a commodity-based pricing system, which will mean uh, we aren't unfortunately through with 79, 78, 75 cent cotton. And to say that, oh yes, no, we're going to go higher. We look at all these other fibers that are on the wings out there trying to take cotton share. Uh, and I made a comment about uh, bamboo makes an outstanding fabric. And uh, someone quizzed me about if I had ever tried to use bamboo tissue paper. And uh, I really have not, uh, not had enough coals lately to, to do that. But I will tell you that new mothers and expectant mothers are buying the, the, all the bamboo baby products they can find because they are some kind of soft and feel good. So just because it's, 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 it's that sharp, uh, <laughs> clingy uh, fiber. It uh, doesn't mean it doesn't make a good fiber, but bottom line, cotton has a market. Cotton will maintain its market, but over time, we've got to back prices back down. We don't need to expect to think that we're going to have 95 cent cotton, a dollar cotton from here on out. The way the USDA is getting ready to release its October supply and demand report, what do you expect to see out of that, and what do you expect it might do on, uh, due to the prices? Well, you, I have to, I'll go answer that this way first. Year in and year out the last three years, month in and month out, I cannot be more impressed with the varieties that cotton growers are being presented by the seed companies. They're just outstanding and they just outperform every single year. We, we, we just can't believe what they're doing and how much fruit's out there. But I would, I do anticipate because of some weather problems, too much water, too little water, this, that, and the other, that we'll see our crop come down two to 300,000 bales here in the United States. I would expect the crop to be as much as about 400,000 bales, smaller, or 500,000 bales, excuse me, smaller around the globe. Uh, 
Uh, we know that Brazil had some problems, uh, but uh, I, so I would think we would have a little bit smaller world production. I think demand will actually be as much as 200,000 bales higher. So I think we take world ending stocks down to 86 million bales. We're, we're close to that now, about 86.5, 86.7 million bales. But I think we take it on down just a little bit. So I think the report itself is going to be very neutral to the market. I think most of that is built in. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask you to put your, uh, your prognosticating hat on again. Uh, USDA said we planted 11.6 million acres of cotton this year in the U.S. Where do you think right now U.S. cotton acres will go next year? I think we'll be up at least a million acres next year. We could be up as million as much as a million four. Uh, uh, that that would be the absolute top for me. Uh, the corn prices are still strong. Soybeans are good. They're not. Uh, they're not the fourteen dollars that many growers want it. Uh, but I think definitely we'll be up as much as a million acres. Uh, the bulk of that, of course, will come in in, in, in the southwest, Texas, Oklahoma. Uh, but the market is that strong. And, of course, the co competition with corn uh, in, in much of the uh, southwest is not as strong as it would be in the mid-south and southeast. Uh, but some of these growers, as they look at cotton prices, they'll look at the dry land corn they planted, particularly in some hill areas. And uh, they've had great luck with it. But I think they're also studious enough to know that uh, they've been pretty lucky with that dry land corn and they may switch switch to cotton is just my, my opinion. Uh, and also, again, as we look at next year, more specifically, I, what, what I will talk to momentarily, if you allow, would be the price situation. As we saw new, excuse me, as we saw December climb and climb above a dollar and get on up to a dollar and a, a dime, uh, the uh, red deck, December 22, was a little slow to follow. It followed just, uh, just, just uh, oh, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 ticks uh, at most per 100 points that uh, December increased. But now that we got above a dollar and a dime, we began to see the new crop December contract increase a little bit more and hold as December itself showed weakness. So the red December uh, has moved on up to near 89 cents and that's been pretty impressive. I personally did not feel that the red December contract could go to uh, 90 cents. I've been heavily uh, the last week uh, suggesting the growers at 88, 89 cents, they need to be serious about pricing some uh, 2022 crop. But I do feel now the way this market's looking, if in fact we are able to get back into the dollar 15, the dollar 20 cent, I can see the uh, December 19, uh, December 19, December 2022 futures move up to the 92, 93 uh, cent level. I just don't see it going above 95 cents. Okay. Well, any final advice? For growers right now as, as the pickers are ready to start rolling through most of the cotton belt? Well, I know at this time of the year, we focus solely on harvesting and that's a, a, a excellent uh, purpose with excellent purpose. So they need to do that, but uh, don't let this market slip on us. I, I can see it falling back to $1.06, $1.05 uh, before it regroups and begins to go higher. I think we have another charge or two higher it's going to be a little tough, but I think it's there. 
Sounds good. Well, this I tell you, OA, this seems like a really good place to wrap up today's discussion. Uh, we'll let you get on with your business. And as usual, thanks so much for joining us today on the Cotton Companion, especially on short notice. Uh, we're going to keep watching prices closely, and I'm sure we will be, uh, be visiting again real soon. Thank you for what y'all do, and thank you for the uh, serving the industry so well. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, OA. And that's it for this episode of the Cotton Companion Podcast. A special thanks to our sponsor, First Fire Safety, for their support. And always, thank you, dear listeners, for joining us. If you like what you hear on the Cotton Companion, please be sure to spread the word and tell your cotton farmer friends about this podcast. Here's where and how they can find us. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, The Cotton Grower E-News, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. The Cotton Companion Podcast comes to you twice monthly. It's produced by Kim Henderson and Tyler Hatch, our talented colleagues at the World Headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name's Jim Stedman. His name's Frank Giles. And we'll be back with you in two weeks with the next episode of The Cotton Companion. Until then, stay safe. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made a farmer. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made a farmer. Yeah, God bless.